Hey guys, Dane here with the Darkroom Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. In today's episode, I chat with Quinn Schrock. You may know him on Instagram at everchanginghorizon. Uh, Quinn has lived and traveled out of his van for quite some time now. And we get into, uh, for one, how many vans he's had, which by the way, he's selling one right now. Uh, we start off the conversation talking about that. And I just want to preface that uh, usually I, I do a quick little introduction and then we go into it. But in this case, uh, we just got into it. So you will hear, uh, yeah, just us getting into it. Uh, anyways, I don't know why I had to explain that, but uh, I did. So yeah. Uh, Quinn's a really cool dude. I really enjoyed you know, hearing his story and how his life came to be where it is today and where it all started, which you know, is an accountant who thought that his life was going to be in a completely different path than it is now. Um, so it's really cool to hear, you know, the transition that Quinn made and, and essentially him breaking out of his shell to become who he is today. We talk about how he found his home in photography and, you know, what the road to success looks like for him. So we talk about a lot. This is a really, really fun one. Uh, thanks again, Quinn. I appreciate it. And yeah, without further ado, here is a conversation with Quinn Schrock. Welcome to the Dark Room Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the Dark Room. Audio sounds good on my side. How do I sound for you? Yeah, super clear. What were you going to say? You had a late night? Oh, yeah. I had a late night uh, working on the band. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. What, but, uh... What, uh... Well, I want to I wanna talk about that. So it's, it's on Craigslist, right? So I'm... I'm semi-confused. Are you living in that same van or are you selling another van so you can live in a new one? Yeah. Yeah. So it is confusing. I feel like everyone's confused. Um, <laughs> so I have two vans. Um, so, well, this is my third van total. I had one van that I converted like maybe three years ago. It was terrible. I spent like $4,000 on it and it showed it like never ran. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got a new van or I got a, a second van a year ago because my buddy converts them and it was exactly what I was looking for. I was just kind of waiting for him to, to get a, a shorter van because I wasn't into like the really long, uh, like full-time van type things. Right, right. Um, I wanted it to be more capable and whatnot. So I jumped on it when he got a shorter van thinking that I just wanted it for like extended trips. Mm-hmm. But I ended up loving it so much that I, I just slept in it like pretty much every night I was home. Um, I, when I'm international, I don't sleep in it. But uh, Yeah. Was it, was it already done up for you or was it just a pretty bare bone van at the time? So he announced that he, he got the shell of it and he was going to convert it. And I pretty much jumped on and said, hey, how much are you going to charge? Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Um, and then I had says in like, you know, how big the bed should be and, and just – different like big decision things he would text me and and I would kind of help uh make those decisions but um he pretty much did the whole thing because I didn't know much about van life then and I just trusted his expert opinion um so that was a sprinter and I bought it I guess it was like 14 months ago yeah yeah that thing's bitching man yeah it's sick um but 
So like I said, I ended up sleeping in it every night and I was pretty much solo every night. And the bed was massive. The bed was like, <laughs> like over half of the living space. Yeah. Like some king size just shoved in there. Well, it's, it's fitted for the van. So it was like five, five, five by six, two. That's and then pretty there good. Was only, yeah. And then there was only like five, five is the width of the van. So, and then there was only like five, five by um, I don't know, four or five or something for the kitchen. So the kitchen was a little bit smaller than the bed. And, uh, like I said, I was, I was sleeping in it every night and it was mainly me solo. So I just felt like it was a little bit of a misuse of space for a full-time like solo van dweller. Yeah. Um, so I started looking at other vans and I had generally speaking my, my uh, time frame or my uh, schedule as a photographer every year is really, really slow in the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. And it starts picking up now, which it totally did like clockwork. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just wondering what I should do with my downtime instead of spending it in Hawaii. Like I normally do. I just, I bought a new van and I wanted to learn something new. Um, so I, I bought a ProMaster. The ProMaster allows me to sleep um, side to side instead of long ways. I'm looking it up right now. Pro, yeah. ProMaster. Sweet. Okay, cool. Oh yeah. This yeah. thing is big. This is bigger, right? Bigger than a sprinter or no? So it seems it wider, wider than it a sprinter. It's, it's actually, so my third van, this is the confusing part. So yeah. I publicized that I got a van a year ago. Um, and then I just bought another one just a few months ago because I wanted to convert a new one. I wanted to be able to sleep side to side so that I had more space, right? Um, you know, like in the kitchen and this one I built a little workspace in because again, I bought the other one thinking it would just be for like sleeping on the road and like extended road trips. Yeah. And then you lived um, in it. And I lived in it. So this one is more of a full-time living van and it's also more geared for just one person. So the bed is a little smaller. Um, but I am able to sleep side to side instead of long ways. So yeah. That's pretty nice. Have you seen a lot of people convert these ProMaster vans more so than Sprinters? Like how, how did you kind of get the low down on this van? Um, I think when you, when you buy a van, I think Sprinters are by far the most, uh, noteworthy. Yeah, for uh, sure. If, if anyone starts to look into like full-time van living or like just like a modern van instead of like a VW or or, or whatever. Um, Sprinter is the first thing that comes up. And Sprinters are really, really awesome for a lot of reasons. Um, like gas mileage. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just took my first trip in this thing and it gets like mm, 13 miles to the gallon. Oh. The Sprinter, Sprinter was getting like 21. Oh, they get that uh, much? I mean, 13 to 15 yeah. sounds, that sounds right to me. Like that's not that yeah. surprising. It just sucks after getting 21 and and like doing cross country yeah. road trips and just like being stoked to like, just, it's just a good feeling to know that you're being efficient and you're not, you're not spending money, you're better on the environment, all these things. But, um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of a letdown. I just did my first like little trip up to just an area in California. Um, just got back yesterday. Nice. But, um, yeah, so, um, it's confusing. So the Sprinter is, a really, really good option, and I kind of hate to see it go, but I've spent a lot of time now, like the last three months, um, just working this van, and it's what I like it better inside simply because I designed it myself. Yeah, do you uh, get excited to do all like the little tiny 
you know, things in the beginning process of just converting a van that I'm sure are, are tedious? Like, do, do you just have to get over those and then you're like, all right, now I can actually build out this thing? Or do you like the whole process? Um, I like the details and I, I really like the planning. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably one of my favorite parts was just kind of weighing out the options. And I, that's how I am. I, I really like the planning phase of, of planning like new trips and, and shoots and stuff and my photography business also. Um, so I, I loved designing and building the van. Um, it was definitely needed. I was feeling a little burnt out with, with the same things and yeah. even with, with social media in, in some ways. So um, it was nice to just really work super hard, put in like, you know, 16, 18 hour days just because I wanted to and kind of get lost in the in the creative work that came with it and just like figuring things out, you know? Yeah, dude, I am in cool. the exact same boat right now where I'm just, I'm feeling so like, I mean, burnt out isn't the word, but I guess it is like burnout, like really, really hardcore to the point that I'm like, shit, man, like I'm doing, you know, 14, 16 hour days of, I feel like just doing all client work and I just need to like get out, you know, and like just go go travel and just go, you know, chill out without cell service and just bring my camera and just shoot for myself and, you know, kind of just get back out into the world. Totally. Yeah. See, for me, um, that was it for me also when I got started. And then I basically made a career out of doing just that. Yeah. So like I, I needed to like stay in a town and like all I wanted to see was the view of my driveway in the suburbs <laughs> for yeah, a little bit. You know yeah, what I'm saying? For sure. So it was like kind of flipped where most people feel the need to get out and whatever, get out into nature, disconnect all those things. And I kind of built a career around that. Um, so I, I just, I mean, I definitely did want to disconnect and stuff like that, but I wanted to kind of take a break from uh, being off the grid and like in nature and whatever, I, I wanted to like live at the hardware store and like in the suburbs, <laughs> and like have like the yeah, for average sure. life for a second there. Well, so. cause I mean, cause I know you, you do a ton of like huge client work. So, you know, obviously like we see, you know, all the posts and all the, all the, you know, aftermath of that client work and, and when it's finished, but you know, while you're doing work for, for these companies, is it, does it make it kind of crazy? You know, like, does it, does it make like those, like, you know, those nature shots and like being out in the landscape, doing all that, like that back end work? Like, is it, is it nuts? Is it going back and forth? Is it email after email, revision after revision, or is it pretty, like pretty low key? Is it pretty like, yeah, like, you know, like we'll, we'll, we'll I'll send you this and maybe there's a tweak or two or, or maybe not. I'd like to think that I've gotten more efficient with it over the years. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of, a lot of it in the beginning, uh, a lot of back and forth and, and I've gotten to kind of understand red flags um, because lots of times clients will say they want one thing and they actually want another. Right. Um, so it's kind of like, it's kind of a balance of, of interpreting their lingo versus what they've already produced on their social with what's on their website, kind of like get a feel for what they, what they actually want and what they're actually saying. Um, and so the back and forth usually happens more, ideally it happens more on the upfront side of things um, instead of like on the back end when I deliver an image and I'm already gone from Switzerland, you know, I can't go back and reshoot yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Be like, oh, actually, we don't want this. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, Sorry. You know, I'm Catch already in Peru. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so 
yeah, it kind of has to happen on the front end because on the back end, again, like I'm constantly traveling and, and I don't have the time. I'm like juggling jobs, going from one to the other. Lots of times not even going home yeah. in between. Um, so I just I can't afford to go back and redo anything. And maybe there is that, that underlying, um, I guess, understanding that, yeah, <laughs> what you get is uh, – what I give you is what you get. There's no redo, but like, um, that's why I don't do video. I, I did a few video jobs and, um, there's so much back and forth with the client. Uh, yeah. I, just, I just had to say no. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I didn't have the time, you know? Yeah. It's tough, man. Like, uh, being a freelancer, that is kind of a hurdle that you eventually have to jump through, whether it takes a year or a few years or, or however long until, you know, you get to the point where for one, you kind of have to learn how to say no, or else you're going to bring on more client work than you can handle. And that's hard Definitely. enough too. But like also like dealing with revisions and dealing with, you know, uh-huh. dealing with all that back end stuff, like you just kind of have to put either like a mentality in place to deal with it. Right. Or you have to hire somebody else to help you. Like, have you ever, have you ever reached out for, for any help with, you know, even like small things or editing or has it all been you? Yeah, I've been a one man show. Um, I've been really busy, but not, not, not too busy. Yeah. Not busy enough to really need someone else. Um, yeah, almost everyone I know has gone through agents and have agents right now, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like being hands-on. I like having that direct contact with the client. Yeah. Being, being on the move as much as you are, do you get to meet a lot of these other bigger, like big creators that are doing similar things? Do you guys cross paths out there or are you pretty much just solo? Um, I went through a phase where I was really into networking. I yeah. think that was a really important phase in the beginning. Um, I guess now it was probably like four years ago. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm usually solo now. Um, but yeah, in terms of like my heroes, the people that I really look up to, I've, I've pretty much met and shot with a lot of them at this point. So, um, it's been a really, really cool learning experience and like just taking from them, um, just seeing how they work and and kind of implementing that into my own business. It's been really, really valuable. So you Um, said you've been, you've been on the road for three years, right? Essentially. Oh. Uh, I've been on the road for longer than that. Um, let me think. Yeah, let's do I want to see the timeline of uh, of Quinn's life. So you, wait, you're a Southern California kid, right? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I grew up here, but but when I started photography, I was more so a Hawaii kid because I went, I went to school in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I heard about that. So wait, when you grew up out here, where were you? Because I'm Southern California too. Gotcha. Uh, I was born in Escondido, grew up in Temecula. Oh yeah. So, okay. So your area code, uh, when I saw it, I was like, this is why is this familiar? So I just bought a cabin in Idlewild, uh, okay. a, a couple months ago and I see nice. those area codes pop up all the time. And I was like, oh, he must be in that, in uh-huh. that area in that San Bernardino area. So what, what was it like growing up out there? Uh, Temecula, how do I put it? Um, it's a place that is surrounded by a lot of cool stuff, yeah. but isn't cool itself. <laughs> yeah, that's like the place I grew up. Yeah, yeah. So it's like everyone was really proud to be from Southern California. I've started to realize that I think Californians are the most proud of all states Yeah, in, in kind of like an annoying way. It's because it's always sunny out here. We're just like, yeah, everything's yeah. great. What are you talking about? 
Yeah, yeah. For some reason, when I when I meet Californians when I'm traveling, I'm like, oh, great, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I feel yeah. I I understand. But, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's funny. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, no, Temecula wasn't bad. I mean, it was it was semi close to the beach. Um, when I turned sixteen, I was going to the beach a lot because um, I always saw it as like, hey, it's Southern California. You got to take advantage. You got to be surfing. You got to yeah. do these things. But my friends didn't do it for some reason. I think it was just long enough. It was like almost an hour to the beach that that nobody wanted to make that drive. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just skated and surfed and. You know, kind of, kind of did the cliche or, or like the classic California lifestyle. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We skated. I was taking pictures of my buddy skating. That's how I first started shooting. Nice. Yeah, I, I made skateboards through high school and and uh, just had a lot of fun with like kind of the old school style. And um, I was kind of like a like an artsy kid, I guess. Yeah. Um. I had a lot of like random little art projects. I wasn't super into uh, team sports. So uh, my family was, and they put me into like all sports growing up. I eventually uh, focused on soccer when I was like teens, like early teens. Right. And then I got into high school and I was just like, wasn't into it. It was no too sports in high school. Uh, well, I, I did soccer for like, I think maybe up into sophomore year. And I uh, just wasn't super into the competitive nature. Yeah. Um, I didn't like people telling me, like, I didn't like all the practices and, like, just um, for some reason, I was just more drawn to the the individual sports. Like, skating kind of all depends on you and you can be very creative and, like, expressive with yeah. what you do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I did that. Um I'd never picked up a camera. I mean, not even in high school. No, not in high school or even college. Like I just had a, just had a cell phone. I got a cell phone in like middle of college. Um, and that's when I started taking photos on my phone. But yeah, I was like a creative kid, but I wasn't like fully into art. It was more so into like the extreme sports side of things. Yeah. So what led you to, uh, I mean, I know Hawaii is, you know, incredible, but, but specifically like doing accounting and business in Hawaii coming from that type of a background. Yeah. Yeah. So I got married when I was, uh, I think 22 or 23. Yeah. It's been 23. Um, so I got married pretty young. Um, I failed to mention also, I, I grew up Mormon. So, um, getting married young is kind of like the norm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I followed the mold, uh, for lack of a better term. Like I, um, I grew up Mormon. I went on my mission. I went to BYU Hawaii, which is also a Mormon school. Mm-hmm. Um, I met a girl in, when I was 22, got married at 23. Um, and I think I was married for about a year and a half, maybe two years when all, all was said and done. Um, and really thinking back on it, that's having one thing go wrong um, really kind of blew things wide open for me. But so like when, sorry, I, I jumped too far there. Go back to when I was married. Um, <laughs> uh, you asked about accounting. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about, uh, we can talk about that too though, or either or man. No. Yeah. Yeah. So accounting, uh, I found myself, I think junior year in college, just majoring in business. And, uh, 
I remember my in-laws saying like, hey, Quinn, how are you going to make money? Like, what's your plan? Oh, the in-laws <laughs> saying that too? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, that's tough. I'd be like, oh, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what, the, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, and thinking back on it, like it was totally warranted and it was needed yeah. for me. Like, it's just a little harsh conversation is all. <laughs> yeah. And like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Still, I was still kind of like biding my time. And I mean, when I, when I was married, I was much more punctual and uh, I got really good grades. It was kind of like, I always knew I was, I was smart deep yeah. down and I could get great, good grades, but I didn't have any drive. Um, so when I, when I was married, I had that drive. I was like, okay, I gotta, gotta get these good grades so that I get the job so I can support a family. Yeah. You were on like that, like structured, like next tier up timeline. What's next? Like, all right. Like this is the proper steps to be a human. Yeah. So, uh, it was kind of this realization like, oh, if I have a purpose, I'm actually pretty, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty efficient and I'm pretty smart. I just never had that, you know, I, I didn't really care about what I was doing. I didn't have a fire underneath me. So, yeah. um, yeah, I really thrived on my like two years of marriage. Um, so they're like, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I'm pretty good at this accounting class. Like I, I was in accounting class at the time and I was getting pretty good. Like I was easily pulling an A in the class. And I remember everyone saying, uh, you know, this is the hardest class, man. Like I just got to get through this and I'm home free. I'm like, what are you kidding me? This is so easy. So I was like (laughs) helping pretty much everyone in the class, you know, like organically, like, no, you just do this, this, this. Um, so I was like, I'm pretty good at accounting. Maybe I'll just go into accounting. And so I did, and I got a job as an auditor. I was going to, I was looking into the CPA exam in Hawaii. Were you still in Hawaii at this point? Yeah. Yeah. In Hawaii. So I like went full on into accounting just to have something to say. You know, just to have yeah. something to say, like, oh, I'm going to be a big four, like, accounting partner or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you know? we so get trapped in this, like, I want to be able to impress people with mm-hmm. what I'm doing and the title that I have, for sure. Yeah, so yeah. I just need an answer to that. I didn't have an answer. And and as time went on, like, I kind of thrived in that environment. I started to make friends. Um, not all accountants are are as lame as they sound. Like I started to make some like really cool friends. Like we'd go surfing after class and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was cool. And then the relationship ended and I was just, I just remember sitting alone in the house being like, are you kidding me? Like I have to go to accounting class or like I have this auditing job. Like it just flipped, you know, instead of being like this, like, um, family man with a wife and future kids and like getting ready to buy a house. All of a sudden I was single again. Yeah. Like, man, what am I going to do with accounting? Like I could care less about this. You know, I don't have those in-laws anymore. It took that to finally like (laughs) kind of, you know, turn that key in your brain to, to really think that way. Yeah. Well, not only that, but like, it was the first thing that went wrong in my life. Um, like I said, I, I was just kind of like, going through the motions, doing everything as it should have been done. Right. Um, based off of, uh, my, my family and just the culture that I was raised in. Um, so yeah, I think that kind of, uh, threw me for a big enough loop where I was like, wow, I kind of have to start over now. You know, what do I actually want to do? Or like, who do I actually want to be? Um, and that's when I, I, that's not when I picked up the camera. That's that's when I went online and I found really cheap tickets to Peru and I did my first international trip. 
Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like a go-to thing. Like, oh, I got to travel. Yeah. I, I just got to get out. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it comes from that place of just like, I can't be here. Like, this is the last place I can be. Because you sit yeah. in those feelings and you sit in that space. It's kind of like too, like, you know, like when you aren't with somebody anymore and like, if you live together, like, could you ever imagine staying in that place so you guys live together, right? Like, not yeah. a chance. No way. no way. So like getting out, like, did you, when you got out, did you buy a one-way ticket or did you kind of like make a trip to come back to Hawaii? Yeah, I, I didn't have that luxury. I wasn't that like reckless or ballsy right in the beginning because I, I still pretty much thought and knew that I was going to be an accountant. It yeah. was still a good profession. I just didn't want that to be my reality at the time. So right. I, I, I wanted to, I'd never traveled uh, by myself. I went to Costa Rica on my mission um, so I was able to see the culture there. I really like Latin America, mm-hmm. but I don't know what you know about um, Mormon missions. It's not a vacation, even close to a vacation. It's like very regimented. Yeah, It's almost more like the military in some ways where you have a very strict schedule. Um, so you do get into the culture. You're around the people a lot, things like that. But I didn't go to the beach, you know, right. I didn't ever, I wasn't allowed to surf or skate or, or whatever a tourist would do. So I kind of felt like I had this taste of like, Oh wow, it's so different over there. Um, I want to go as a tourist this time. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, so I did, uh, I bought a really cheap ticket to Peru cause it was on sale. It's not like I wanted to go to Peru over anywhere. Um, but yeah, it was only like a week or two. I, I hiked to Machu Picchu completely solo you know, with, with my own gear, like everyone said I needed to do it as a, as a guided tour. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not what I want to do. Like, you just that's trekked the it. Of this trip. That's yeah. wild, man. Yeah. It was, it was pretty gnarly. It was way, way more intense than I expected, but it was exactly what I needed at the time. Yeah. At the time, did you, you know, cause I feel like, I feel like this is like a story of like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Like the transition that you made is just unreal, right? Like going from like the super structured, like, you know, super just uh, organized and like, I, I don't know. I'm trying to find the right word for it, but you know what I yeah. mean? Like just super like almost white picket fence. Right. And then yeah. all of a sudden oh, totally. you go to Peru and you're like, no, like I'm getting a Machu Picchu. I don't need this guided tour. Like when you were doing that, did you ever have like, obviously you did, but like, what was that moment like when you really just felt like this is what you wanted to become and this is what you wanted to do? oh man there was never a moment where i thought this was an option you know yeah it was just like i i had this thing where i was like man i want to run away and i want to um you know i want this experience it was more so like thinking long term like i want to be able to say that i did this right thinking into the future be like i'm i'm gonna be like a successful accountant still but I just want to be able to say that I traveled somewhere. Yeah, you know exactly. It's, it, and and again, like I didn't have a camera. It, it wasn't like it wasn't like this was an, ever an option for a career. It was just like I just need like a little break. Yeah, this is like a, yeah, this is the break. So you thought you were coming back. Yeah. You were going to be an accountant. This is going to be your little like four to six month, you know, journey into the unknown, and then you're going to come back and, and tell people about it. Exactly. Yeah. So. I think that's how most people see it. Like, at least in my little realm, like, yeah, it's cool to, as an accountant, so say you're like at work and you, you just have some stories. Yeah. It's cool to just like say like, oh, I, 
I was trekking in the Andes one time. This yeah. llama came up and licked me from behind. <laughs> now it's like, man, I want one of those stories. You know? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, it's it's also too like it's you know it's ingrained in in the business culture and just in culture in general, right? Like people say, like you know, go to school, get a job, and then you get two weeks vacation, maybe three if you're lucky. What are you going to do with those two weeks, dude? I know so many people that that will plan their years around like this two week trip they get to have. Right. And like they wait for it. They, they save up money for it. They do it. And then they come back and it's like next, next Monday, they're just back at the office sitting around talking about the trip, but it's just like seeing what you did and like what you do now is like what people, they gravitate towards it. Right. Cause it's, it's different. And people mm-hmm. want to feel that like they can live vicariously through you because all they want to do is just travel their whole life. And like, it, for one, like traveling, like, you know, nonstop, like it's not what it seems to be sometimes. Like, it's just, you know, like there's ups and downs in everything, but imagine all the, all the people that wish they could do that and they travel two weeks out of the year. So this is essentially in your, you know, world at that time, it sounds like that was just a little trip before you come back. Yeah. That was the mentality for sure. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's it's something that I that I need to hear more often. Like when you get in your own bubble and you're traveling, and it's it's definitely not everything that it appears to be. You kind of forget um, how good you have it, you know. Yeah. So it's something that I always have to keep myself in check with, and and at least um, comparing myself to other people in the industry. Um, that I know that I'm like real good friends with. I'm really happy that I had this, uh, this time when this wasn't an option where I didn't have a camera, where I fully thought that I was going to be living for the weekend, things like that. Yeah. Like I was fully in that mentality and I really didn't like it, but I was just sucking it up because I thought that's how it was. Um, so I think having that, uh, that experience, just remembering that mentality and how terrible it was really does help me appreciate where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, cause I, I do know a lot of people that, you know, have been taking photos their whole life and, and haven't had any, or haven't gone to school, haven't had any other like real taste of, of life, you know? So it's easy for me to remember back to that and, and just be super grateful for what I have now. Yeah, for sure, man. And so, okay, so you're, you know, you're in Peru and, and I don't know if you did come back after that, but, but, you know, when, yeah, when did, did you, okay, so you came back and then did you go through the cycle of like trying to get a job? Did you get a job in accounting after that? You know, I was so into it. I loved the, I loved like the survival, uh, like mentality and stuff. So, yeah. um, I prolonged it again and I got a job in a, in a, company called Anasazi Foundation in uh, Mesa, Arizona. Um, and it's the idea is you, you take kids into the wilderness of uh, Arizona and teach them how to live off the land. Cool. Because um, I wanted to go f- more deep into that. I wanted to like develop skills and things like that. Cause it was like, it was like the equivalent of my 15 year old mind with skateboarding. You know, it was like the next level, like this was my 25 year old mind. I just want to, I like the idea of being uh, self-sufficient. Yeah, for sure. And uh, understanding maps and knowing how to make fire from sticks and all these things sounded so cool, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to learn it myself and I liked the idea of like helping, helping kids. It was kind of like a, so- a social work type thing where the kids were, uh, you know, 
kind of going through rough times in their in their house. They were between the ages of 12 and 18. Um, some of them had like drug problems. Others just had family problems or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a lot of really good talks with, with the kids and kind of related to them. And, you know, they didn't know how how hard of a time I was actually going through. It was mainly just for me to get over everything that was happening in my life. Um, so yeah, I just didn't feel ready to like, I feel like if I would have just gotten the job that I expected to, I would have been burying what I was going through. Um, so I I didn't feel ready for it. Um, and so I I got a job at Anasazi. It was only for a summer. Um, and really what I got out of that in the end was uh, I met this girl named Kate. Um, so generally speaking, it was a really cool job and it, attracted really cool people in yeah. my mind so like adventurous people that were really appreciated experiences over stuff because it was the worst paying job i've ever <laughs> i've ever done it was mainly for the experience you yeah know? um and we had like a week on week off schedule so we'd be off in the middle of the arizona wilderness for a whole week with no cell service you know fully checked out and then we'd come back and have a full week off um and that was when I discovered road trips. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, most people, it was a pretty tiring job. Like um, we were trekking and, and like dealing with uh, a lot of drama with the kids and stuff. And most people would just like come home and like veg out and go to movies or just kind of be lazy or whatever. Yeah. But my mind was so racing at the time. I was still in that like that defining my new self mentality that I just, I literally, we would get off at midnight and I would start driving. Just go. <laughs> I would start driving somewhere because I'd never been to Arizona or I'd never lived in Arizona. And there was, you know, New Mexico to the east and, and Utah up north. Yeah, that's a super cool part. Super yeah, all these part places, of the country. Like, I, I didn't know that I knew of. And I just felt the need to drive through and, and just see them for myself. And I went through all of the employees. I was like, hey, let's go on a road trip, you know? And they're like, oh, I got to sleep, man. Are you, are you crazy? You're going to drive out right now? Yeah. Um, and Kate was the only one who's like, oh, okay, yeah. Can I sleep in your car? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Sure. Um, yeah, so I just made this relationship with Kate. And I got so into road trips. I had a Toyota Corolla that got like 45 to the gallon or something. Oh, I yeah. Cruising. Like, man, yeah, this is a cheap way to go. Like I'm learning how to live off the land. Like I can just live in a tent on the side of my car and it's 45 miles to the gallon. Like, you know, like I was just kind of calculating out how much I would really need to like live out of my car. Honestly, it was like a very cheap way to go. Um, and she was into it. I was into it. Um, so I ended up just, I remember when I had those, um, week on schedules where we didn't have any service i would just draw maps like on my like notepad like north american map and basically from memory like pinpoint all the places that i'd heard of and then kind of connect the dots see like where the road trip would go yeah making routes how i could make it um and yeah so when i when i was uh, walking on the trail with kate I kind of approached her with this idea, like, let's, let's do this massive road trip. Like it's been really fun on these week trips, but yeah, you know, we, in like one month, we got to renew our contract with this company. Let's not renew our contract and let's see how far we can make it in the Corolla. 
and I showed her the map. It's like a full outline of North America. <laughs> and drawn uh, by you, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, drawn by me. So, yeah, it's like I'd never been to the Pacific Northwest or Alaska or, or any of these places, East Coast for the fall. Like, just kind of, it was all like these these ideas, like these romanticized ideas of like how beautiful it is in the fall in New England. And, right. Um, you know, like Mexico, like how much of an adventure Mexico is, like central Mexico that nobody ever sees. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like, she's like, yeah. She honestly didn't even think twice. She's like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so yeah, after four months took off on this like dream road trip, basically it was the idea like take off and never look back. It was quite literally like, let's see how far we can make it until we run out of money. Um, so I, I had about $4,000 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really know what she had, but it was kind of this idea. Let's see how far we can make it before our, our money runs out. Yeah. Well, I feel um, like on a trip like that, like when you, when you schedule it out, did you obviously take into account like, you know, how much money per day and then how long you could potentially sustain before you had to get some more income and where that new income could come from potentially on the other side of the country? Like, did you have to figure out all the little details? Um, I, I intentionally didn't. It was more, I, I didn't figure out those details. It was more like a, just a challenge because at any given day, I could I could waste five bucks on a burrito. Yeah. Or I could go to Walmart and a 10 pack of, of ramen was like a dollar, you know? So, so I didn't know like how much I could do, you know? Like I didn't know how cheaply I could do it. And, and turns out like when you have a determined mentality, it's kind of similar to what I was saying. Like I got really good grades when I had a fire lit under me. Like I needed to provide for, for my wife at the time. It was that same idea. Like, man, I really want to make it down to Panama. That was like the ultimate goal. Like if we live cheaply, we can make it all the way down to South America. If, if I buy the burrito right now, we're not going to make it. Yeah. You know? So that it was kind of like that ultimate goal mentality. So yeah, we we had a lot of pop tarts, like Costco packs of pop tarts. <laughs> yeah. Like we ate the is the most unhealthy and healthy of my life. That yeah, I've ever been. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's the grind, yeah. and it makes the really healthy yeah. stuff taste even better. But it also makes that stuff yeah. you also probably miss it too. Like oh, I miss a good bowl of ramen. I would make it right now if I had it. <laughs> yeah, I still like. I'm not sick of ramen. No, at all. no way. It's a good flavor. And yeah, yeah. I, it's it's going to be a staple of my life. I don't eat it very often but uh (laughs) yeah at that point it's just it's just a classic like you know struggler or struggling artist uh meal you know yeah so did you guys make it down to panama yeah i mean there's a lot i could go on forever about this trip but we made it down to panama we didn't make it back from panama i sold the car in costa rica because i had some friends from my mission down there oh okay um yeah i didn't have enough to make it back up um, but I sold the car for more than I bought it for. Nice. That's a come up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, I realized that there's a huge demand for American cars in, uh, in Latin America. So yeah. it's sold really fast and we flew back and it was, it's kind of like an epiphany. Like that's a really good way to go to, to drive a car one way, sell it in your final destination and, and fly back. It's kind of a fun way to go. Yeah. We went to Nicaragua a couple years ago. We flew there though. I should have driven the the Jeep down there and sold it. And we flew back. 
<laughs> yeah. So were you were you guys shooting? Were you shooting then in this trip? Like, is that what kind of sparked the interest of? Uh, let me document this trip. It's it's a pretty epic one. Like, when did that first start happening? So when I left on that trip, I was in the mentality that phones are better than real cameras. Like, I, I was look at like you know uh, tourists in Arches National Park. Be like, why are you shooting with that big ugly camera? Like, my <laughs> yeah. phone's better than your camera. Yeah, you know, just kind of like they shrugging got the it off. giant lens on there. Yeah, yeah, I was like, man, I can take a better photo, you know, with my my phone than what you're doing. Um, but I mean, turns out there definitely is some value to real cameras. <laughs> um, so I didn't bring a camera. Kate did. Um, I didn't even realize how good of a photographer Kate was. Yeah. Um, so she's like a pretty humble person. She didn't talk about it much, but I soon realized that she had a, I think, a Canon T2i, right. Like, kind of old school even it was even old school at the time um and yeah so i also remember like just being in these epic places and with my phone kind of snapping away like say if i was shooting into the sun and taking a photo and everything was all contrasted like i couldn't get what i wanted and right and i, I turned to kate like you know man i wish we could capture this she's like oh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked with these shots like check them out and i looked at him like man it's yeah. exactly what i wanted to shoot like right. that's exactly what it looks like um and so right then i was like okay maybe i should try to give this big camera another chance um and she i mean we had tons of time in the car it was a six-month trip and uh, we were together the whole time so she just started to kind of quiz me and like kind of like I, I started to get into it and I started to ask about all the settings and she'd like quiz me and and kind of uh, it was like this crash course of photography um, and so I started taking photos of her it started out she was taking photos of me and I was just like stoked about getting shots of myself and yeah. then I started I, I there was kind of like this natural progression where I, I started to want to like learn how to uh, make my own photos and towards the end, it was—I feel like it was probably majority me shooting. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like took over her camera. Did you did you have an Instagram account at the time, or did you not have one yet? Yeah, I think I probably left that trip with like a thousand followers. Okay, um, which at the time was like a decent amount. Yeah, it was a long time ago uh, for someone that like didn't really put a ton of effort into it. Like I, I had started posting photos of just. Uh, um, like the national parks around Arizona, Utah and all that. Right. Um, so I saw there was some value, like started to gain followers that weren't like my, you know, my grandma and like, my yeah. Friend. yeah. <laughs> I was like, huh, well, who are these random people that are following me? And right. why are they following me? And just kind of started to like get a feel for it. And, uh, I think I ended the six month trip at like 13, 13,000 or so. Were you hashtagging? What, like what, what kind of things were you doing to, to kind of get yeah. your work seen. Yeah, like. it was like hashtag like life of adventure or and like there were like a few popular hashtags at the time um, that I thought kind of defined my uh, road trip style, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I think I had like a like a paragraph of hashtags I would just copy and paste in every photo. But uh yeah, so it, it, but it wasn't like a consistent thing like cuz we didn't have service in a lot of the places. So it, it definitely wasn't a focus of the trip. The focus of the trip was really to see how far we could go. And it was really like the most pure trip I've ever taken. And it's like probably 
I still consider it like the best time of my life in terms of uh, just biggest jump forward for me personally. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. What was going on in your head, you know, in, in the time of, you know, these trips and, and like, you know, coming from the Quinn that, that was before, like what, what kind of transition was happening in your brain? Um, it really just felt like I was kind of coming into my own in some ways, but it was also kind of this massive shadow over me, like, like two more months or whatever until I have to go back. Yeah. You know, there's like this, like really, really, really intense, like, Oh, this is exactly where I want to be, but but you thought it was going to come to an end. My bank account is yeah. like thousand dollars. You know, like I don't know what I'm going to do after this, but you know, so it was, it was the most in the moment I've ever been. Partly because road life is much harder than you you'd think. It's it's not like just driving down the road and like you find anywhere and camp there. Like there's, there's little things that you have to do every day. Like, where am I going to, where are we going to eat? How are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? Where should we go? Like, where's the next like cool spot we should hit? Like, so every day, like had like a lot of these like small decisions that we started to get really good at. So it was easy to be in the moment and be like super present, like making decisions to go down this road or that road. That road has the beach. This one has the mountains. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, there was this, uh, this dark, dark sh- shadow over me. Like, man, the further down this road I go, the less I want to be an accountant. Yeah. And it was, it was pretty apparent, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I ended the trip with a massive beard and like the longest hair I've ever had. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, like my mentality on that, I I don't even remember. I think, I think I sold the car again for how much I bought it for. So I had like four grand. So I think I was still like, like pushing for the dirt bag. Like somewhere in that trip, I was like, okay, I got to keep going somehow. And you're still, you're with Kate too. So it's almost like there's two people now to account for. And like, you guys yeah, don't want to yeah. just, you're not just going to separate now, you know? So what did you guys, what did you guys talk about doing? What, what was your next move together? So, yeah. So the Kate relationship wasn't, it's not what you'd think. Like we were strictly platonic oh, in yeah. the relationship. And, and it was, uh, cause I was in this weird mentality coming from divorce. So like, um, yeah, it was like, we were just best friends and, uh, I don't really remember how it went, but like we just parted ways, not not on bad terms, but she, I think had something to go to in Idaho and and I was going back to California for Christmas and we stayed in contact. I think I went to Hawaii and bummed it with my family out there and she came out there for a few weeks. Um, Was it hard to explain to them that she was platonic? Did they not believe you guys? I don't think it really mattered. Like (laughs) I I didn't feel the need to explain anything. So like, um, I don't even, my, my family's kind of weird, like in, in terms of that, like they didn't really ask about it. Um, uh, they never even saw her is the thing. Yeah. Like it, it was all away from the family. So, um, yeah, no, uh, she's just a really good friend. I still keep in contact with her. Yeah. Um, I owe a lot to her in terms of, uh, her getting me out of my funk. And yeah. Like, Broke out of the shell this, for sure. You know, yeah, she, she showed me a new world, like with photography. And um, it's not like towards the end of that trip, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a photographer, you know? Was, yeah. Because Instagram, I think at that point was like, it was still 2013. I, nobody had ever seen a sponsored post. Um, so, 
yeah, it was like cool that I was getting followers, but it wasn't like a way out of accounting. Yeah, well, and a lot, I feel like a lot of people now, especially like they, if they're doing what you're doing, a lot of them did it on purpose. They had a camera first and they said, you know what? I want to be an adventure photographer. So I'm going to go travel in a van. You did it the opposite way. You were going to travel in that van anyways. You, you didn't need a camera. You know what I mean? Yeah. So well, the, I didn't have a van. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like just a road trip. Yeah, like you were going to yeah. be out there no matter what. Yeah, and yeah. and the fact that you so found cool. photography is what added to the mix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Photography, like, it, I mean, when you're having such a good time, you ought, you want to share it. Yeah. Like, I, I felt so free at that point in my life. It was the most free I'd ever felt. Um, it's kind of like this uncontrollable desire. Like, you want to capture it in some ways to, like, so that it's not such a fleeting moment, if not only for yourself, but for all the people that I knew back home that like wished they were there, you know, I was thinking about them all the time. Like it wasn't just my dream. It was, it was most everyone's dream that I knew. And we all kind of struggled with the same things, like wanting to break out of the mold, things like that. And finally I I did. So, um, or I felt like I did at the time. And I was like, man, I got to capture this in some ways to, to take other people along on the ride with me, you know? So, um, it's like the same, you know, same thing as like finding a new pizza place. You want to like tell all your buddies about it. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I feel, I feel that in your photos, I feel that, that you're really taking these, these images because like that place in time was important to you. I don't feel like you're, you know, setting somebody up on a rock and, and putting a coffee mug next to them that has nothing in it just to like get the shot that, you know, people are going to like, like, I genuinely feel, feel how yeah. much you like these places that you go to. Yeah. Well, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. I I don't think anyone's ever told me that. So that's super cool to hear. Yeah, man. So you go back to, to Hawaii and you see your family and some old friends Mm -hmm. and, and and then did, you know, did you kind of get the bug to go back out after that and like really take this thing seriously? What was the next step? Yeah, I think this was probably the most reckless I've ever been. Um, I was, I was honestly like, running from accounting at that point like yeah. i didn't want to go back and i i think i met someone that said hey you should go to australia you know australia has got really really high minimum wage and and it seems like a place that you'd like so i remember in hawaii like checking for australia flights a one-way flight i found it pretty cheap and i saw it as a sign you know it was only like 300 bucks one way to australia Jeez, yeah it's and, cheap yeah, so I, I literally I just flew to Australia. Um, I didn't do any research in terms of like what visa I should get. Yeah, that's tricky out there. I got a buddy going through the same thing right now. Yeah, yeah. So like somebody like a traveler friend told me how easy it was, and I got out there and and I think I got the wrong visa. I got like a tourist visa. Yeah, I, you can't work with that, right? Yeah, and then I looked into like getting a job at a like a restaurant or something, and it's not not legal. So yeah. I have to go back and, and do things differently. It was just kind of like a big hiccup and, and everything, man, it was the most reckless I've been. Like I said, like I remember climbing trees in Sydney, uh, with my <laughs> hammock and finding like the most hidden branch, hanging my hammock underneath a tree branch, like a really tall tree branch, no like way. hugging it yeah. and like kind of, kind of like sliding around, uh, the tree and laying in the hammock and sleeping there at night 
And like, I remember being so scared because like security would come. No shit. Like, you know, 3 a.m. And I'm like up there, like trying to be really quiet. Yeah. Well, what did at the time? So you realized that you had to get a different visa. Were you just kind of waiting that out or did, you know, like it was, why, you know, time for sure. Like, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I didn't like, um, I didn't like what I was doing yeah. in general. Like I, I didn't like how unstructured and how it kind of felt like I was just lost. Like I, I'd flown halfway across the world. I can't work. I don't have any money. It's diminishing really, really fast. Yeah. I didn't have enough money to like even get a car or like a bus. I was hitchhiking. Um, you know, it's just like, there's just a really big epiphany where I was like, man, I need to find a balance in terms of, I need to have money coming from a different, I don't know. It was a terrible trip. Like it was probably the worst trip I've ever done was the Australia thing. It was like really lonely and just didn't understand what I was doing with my life at that time. So I ended up hitchhiking from Sydney to Brisbane and getting a a flight back. And uh, that's when I got a job, not with Anasazi. Anasazi was a really good experience taking the kids yeah. in the wilderness. I needed a job to make money. So right. um, I got a, a summer job with a company called Vivint um, to install security systems. So um, it's a really terrible job. I've done it <laughs> um, three years now. Okay. So it wasn't the first year I did it. I did it through college to pay for college and whatnot. And so, yeah, I just contacted my old boss. I'm like, I got to come back. I got to make some money. Yeah, that was the summer where I made money. I was able to bank like probably twenty two, twenty four thousand dollars in like three and a half months. Oh well, and that's in Hawaii, right? You're back in Hawaii. No, no, I I flew back and what was that? Oh, were summer? you in SoCal? Were you out here? Yeah. Well, that was when I was like, okay, Australia is not working out. I need to make legit money. I can't make money here. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a ticket back with the last of my what I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna contact Curtis and he's gonna get me a job and and he did he got me a job and i flew out to colorado every year it's like a different it's a different state so i i did it three years um i did one year in missouri one in texas and this last one was in colorado so um yeah for four months basically i i flew there and i worked i think it was it was a weird job it was like i would start working at like 9 a.m and i would get done at like midnight oh geez it was kind of like pushed um to the late hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so for four months I just worked super hard six days a week, um, and banked as much money as I could. And this was the last job that I ever had, like other than photography. I didn't know still at that time when I was, when I was, uh, working for Vivint, uh, installing alarm systems, I, I fully expected to either go back to that job or go back to accounting. It yeah. was just like, I, you know, uh, but it was a temporary fix to get the money that I needed. Um, and throughout that time, I was just posting, honestly, just posting old photos of the road trip. Um, yeah, just repurposing. Yeah, I had a ton of backlogged photos and I started to write captions with a little bit more like emotion and a little bit more of a story. Mm-hmm. And that's so that's when I developed like more of the writing side of things. 
um, because installing alarm systems, it was on call. So a lot of the times I'd be just sitting in a parking lot. I had time to write, but I didn't have time to like go off and, and hike and, and pursue what I normally would be doing. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, so I developed that side of my business and after that I took off up to Alaska. This is kind of the next step was kind of like reaching out to basically the people that I looked up to that I thought that I would get along with. Yeah. People that you saw on Instagram and had connected with on there. Yeah, exactly. So that, that was like my first official step of becoming a photographer um, was eventually just reaching out to people and kind of picking people's brains and more so just like having a good time with, with people that were in the industry. Did you know that people were making a living doing, doing that on Instagram or was that kind of new to you at the time? Yeah. So the people that stick out to me are, uh, reached out to Chris Burkhardt in the beginning. Nice. Uh, he's always, he's always been known as a photographer you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah. We chat, I chatted with him a bit ago. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't so much like he was making money on Instagram, but like he was a professional photographer. Right. Um, so yeah, I talked with him, met up with him in Yosemite. Um, and then Travis Burke, um, is from the same general area that I'm from and, and I met up with him and he was much more involved. Like he became a really good friend of mine. And he still is. Um, so with Chris is like, I met up with him and had some good times and hung out, but I, we didn't ever plan trips together. Yeah. Um, me and Travis have traveled quite a bit together and done jobs together and stuff. And so Travis was a huge, um, mentor for me. Yeah. What kind of things did, did you learn from him and how he did things? Well, we just, we come from the same place. We come, we come from the same background, like surfing, skating, things like that. Yeah. Um, so I just got along with him really well. And, uh, he, he was kind of my go-to guy. You kind of need like a go-to guy be like, Hey, uh, you know, Adidas reached out to me. Like, what do you go about telling him? Like yeah. they're asking for a day rate. Like, what do you, what do you, you know, you kind of need like someone to just like bounce these first business scenarios off of. For sure. Eventually you figure it out, but like you don't want to screw the pooch on like your first yeah. big offer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, so, and, and he was much more established than I was. So he kind of like coached me through those things. And he also taught me how to take like night photos. Um, just kind of like the concepts that go through his mind um, as a photographer. Cause I, I never really thought about concepts. I just thought about um, like angles and, and getting cool shots, but I never thought about like overarching concepts of what I wanted to like, like the feeling that I wanted to portray right? Yeah, with an image, things like that. I never put that much weight into photography. I just saw it as like a documentation. Yeah. So Travis and then, and Taylor Burke also, it's kind of funny. I'm like the, the three people that I, I refer to as like really helping me out and good friends are like all Burks. <laughs> yeah. That is funny. Travis Burke. Taylor Burke and Chris Burkhart. Yeah. So, so yeah. the, I mean, the start of the big gigs, you know, cause you've worked with some huge clients. Did that sh- happen shortly after? Like was, was Adidas kind of the first big one that reached out to you? Sorry. I, I just threw out Adidas. I, I haven't worked with Adidas. Oh, I <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm well, looking out the window right now and I saw someone wearing Adidas. So. That's perfect. The idea, the yeah. idea of Adidas, yeah. the idea of the big yeah. brand. 
uh-huh. reaching out. And that's important, man. That it's it's going back to like, you know, like when photographers first start out, right? Because, you know, on other paths, a lot of photographers will be like, all right, like what's my hourly or like what what is my amateur rate? Cause I'm afraid to charge like, you know, this rate because yeah. I don't feel like I'm here yet. You know what I mean? Like there's always questions and, and I feel like that will never end. Like there's always gonna constantly be like, for one, like am I am I charging enough or am I charging too much? Or you know, like how how did you get a grip on on you know how to price your work? Well, it's gone up and down quite a bit um, in terms of what I can charge, things like that. Um, how did I get a grip? That's such a tough question because yeah. I, I still don't have it. But uh, at one point, it, and this isn't the case now, but at one point, I feel like it was maybe two years ago or something. Um, in terms of like what you can charge for a sponsored post, um, I remember I and and most of the photographers that were on my same level with around like five, six hundred thousand followers, mm-hmm. we generally use the rule that for sponsored posts, you could charge. Um, so if I had 500,000, I could charge 5,000 for a sponsored post. I don't okay, know what yeah. that is. So like per, per 100,000, you could charge 1,000. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that was like my going rate for, for like a year or so. And then things change and things always change. Like that, that was kind of the rate for like a product. Uh, I, I would always kind of like maybe have some leeway for like experiences or like, um, like travel gigs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Like, you don't like sponsored ads that that you're like you know promoting a like a backpack or, or like like a very specific product where it has to be kind of like the hero of the shot. I don't ever want to do that. I almost never do that. So yeah. if I do do that, I charge much more than I would for like you know a Lake Tahoe um, ad where exactly where they send you and you get to go out and kind of yeah, be. Be your own photographer and like get your own stuff out there. It's something that I would do anyways, and and that's the that's where you should be as like an Instagram photographer or whatever. That's where you should be is the places that don't even or the the ads that don't feel like ads is something that you would already be shooting. You know, that's when influencer marketing is really powerful and effective on both sides. I would say. Yeah. So when did when did this all kind of start to snowball for you? You know, like with all the client work coming in and, you know, actual paid gigs and then looking back at your Australia trip and just yeah. being like, what? Like, look at this transition from sleeping under a tree in Sydney to, you know, like getting offered, you know, a few thousand for a day to shoot. Yeah. Um, I, so Australia wasn't my low point. I, I had another low point where or the, the lowest point was probably a year after Australia maybe a year and a half after Australia um, when I bought my first van. And so I bought my first van with, for like four grand and converted it. Yeah. And it never ran. Like I, I took off three times in it thinking that I was taking off for good. And I like rarely got past the, the state border of California. Oh you know? man, that's rough. So, yeah. so I put like 12 grand into repairs in that van and sold it for like, I think, 1500. Oh, jeez, um, man. So, so that just wiped so you out. Man, yeah. So like it definitely didn't, my photography career didn't just take off. Like it was pretty minimal in the beginning. And, and with expenses like the van, I remember just being so low, like having a broken van and no money. 
um, and just really, really second guessing um, if photography was going to work out. Because, um, but the the further down that road of photography, adventure, lifestyle, the more I just really wanted to push for not having to go back to a business um, scenario. Right. You know. Um, so it was a really, really dark and, and tough time for me. Like I, I wasn't getting jobs. I s- started reaching out and offering like really, really low rates, um, and like barely, barely scraping by. And then the snowball happened, I think probably in like 2016, 17, like the end of 2016, I landed like Eddie Bauer and a few like decent sized clients. Um, and by 2017, 2017 was my best year by far. I got, I got some really big jobs and like bigger than I'm getting now. Did you do anything different in that, you know, leading up year in that 2016 year? Like how, how did you spark the interest of, you know, these big clients, not only to like your work, but to like reach out to you or were you reaching out to them? So these are the things that keep me up at night. I have no idea. (laughs) I really can't tell. Yeah. I I can't tell you. Like, um, I think it's, I think it's mainly just consistency, like sticking to your brand, um, you know, staying with who you are. Eventually the, the brands that you want to work with will see your photos and, and think, okay, this is the guy we need. Yeah. You know, when you have like a very specific thing that you're known for, like for me, it's like, it's like uh, unique takes on, on classic places or like, you know, or even like new unknown places that are right here in the States or whatever. And maybe like some like high adrenaline type stuff, which actually I'm not really known for anymore. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, that's how it started. And that's kind of how it was in 2017. Like when you, when you really define your style and stick with it, I think it's not going to happen right away. It's not like people aren't going to reach out to you right away. But if you, if you stick with that, you become like an expert in a niche in your own in your own little uh, category yeah. eventually I, th- I think it'll pay off. And for me, it took like three years to pay off, you know? Yeah. Just, you just stuck with it though, which is, you know, the most important part, you know, how many people would have just, you know, done that for six months or a year, or even two years. And it's been like, yeah, obviously it's not working out or just, yeah. I don't know. You, you trick yourself, you know, you, you trick yourself in, in most stages of life. I feel like to kind of look up and look at what other people are doing. And, you know, ask yourself like, well, why haven't I hit this, you know, checkpoint yet? And it's hard to, it's hard to kind of, you know, fix, mm-hmm. fix that in yourself and just be, you know, appreciative of the work and the the surroundings and the, the things you have going on for you at that exact moment. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's an art to just be happy. <laughs> I feel like, uh, in this industry and, and pretty much most, like you always want more if, if you're not doing well you're not happy. Obviously, if you are doing well, it's like you get a taste of success. You just want more. So it's an art to like be happy with what you have. When it comes to, you know, like success, right? Like such a weird word um, that gets misconstrued a lot. And, you know, I'm interested to kind of hear your take on like success. If you, if you've kind of, you know, given it some thought or, you know, how, how do you, how do you look at success when it comes to, to your life and, and, you know, the things that you've set out to do? Oh man. Yeah. It's been a, that's a roller coaster definition. I know, I right? <laughs> um, and, and one that's, that I, I don't have a good answer for. 
Um, but success for me. Yeah, I, I think what's defined success for me now is is less about um Success is kind of defined in the feeling that I have in a, in the current moment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So, so if I can find happiness in the current moment, like what I was just saying, like uh, if you're not doing well, you're not doing well, you're not happy. If you are doing well, it's hard to recognize that you are doing well because you just kind of want it to keep going. You want a little bit more, a little bit more. So for me, success is is being happy with where you are. And, and that's, man, that's such a, that's such a tough thing to define. But, uh, for me, it's, uh, with my photography, it's basically feeling like I'm a net positive in the world, Yeah, you know, that I'm, that I'm affecting people for the greater good, maybe, maybe helping them. So say, you know, somebody's a little older, maybe having health problems, that I can take them around the world and show them the world and give them a positive experience. If somebody's a little younger, you know, 16 year old kids reaching out to me wanting to do exactly what I do. Um, it's cool to, to spark interest in kids because I think back to my 16 year old self, not knowing anything of what I wanted to do and not having any purpose. Like what I was saying, I didn't get very good grades just cause I didn't have much of a, desire to do anything or much of a goal for for anything so it's cool it's cool if i can spark that in an early age with some kid and give them purpose you know so i I like the idea of of, uh being a net positive in the world with my photography and sparking interests and maybe getting people outside the comfort zone um maybe getting people interested in their own country um you know I, i feel like Again, like I grew up in Temecula where nobody really is excited to be here. Yeah. Um, And I never really liked Temecula either until I became a photographer. And I started actually looking at my surroundings and what Temecula has to offer. And, uh, you know, there's a ton of stuff around here. There's some really cool desert scenes. There's really nice beaches. And then Yosemite isn't really that far. So I have this newfound appreciation for my home because of photography and and sometimes i go somewhere like alabama turns out i have a lot of followers in alabama for some reason (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and they're like this is the most epic photo you've posted and it's from my home state (laughs) yeah you know so it's it's kind of like showing people what they have and and how to appreciate it how to appreciate the earth and and uh america and obviously i do a lot of international stuff too so just kind of like how to appreciate your surroundings um so in terms of success it's it's being able to communicate with people across language barriers across like cultural barriers and to have a positive influence on somebody i think that's like the best success i could ever hope for yeah yeah man that's that's a Really, uh, really great way to break it down. I think that's perfect. Really, you know, I, I've always looked at it too. Is you know, if if you can if you can find something that that you would do for free, you know, like you you would travel the world in a van for free. But if you can, you know, figure out a way to make a living doing that, 
you know, no matter how much money you make, no matter, you know, if it's, if you can sustain yourself for years or you can only make it happen for a week, like in that week, you know, like what, you know, it's the best thing in the world. Right. Yeah. And like definitely. people can find that, you know, not only in photography, you know, there's probably photographer people that aren't photographers at all listening that can relate that to something that, you know, that they truly love that they would do for free in a second. And like, we live in a cool time right now when like you and I grew up in it. Cause we're around the same age where, you know, because of the internet, we can, we can make this stuff happen and we don't have to do that traditional route, you know, that you kind of had ingrained in you. I had it ingrained in me as well. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many cool avenues now and, and people like you are the reason that people get inspired to think outside the box and like you, you influence people without even realizing it when you travel the world and you take pictures and you put out these messages and you be real with people and, and you write and you do all these things, you know, and like that's, that's the ultimate success. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a cool day and age. Yeah, man. So what's, uh, what, so what do you, what are you up to currently? Where are you, where are you now? Where's home base right now? Well, right now it's Temecula because I'm finishing the van. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I plan on going up to the Pacific Northwest for, for the summer and fall probably Nice. in the new van. Um, I have family up there now and lots of friends. So that's more so I think where I'd want to spend the summer and maybe, maybe winters down here. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the Southern California, the area that you're in, like there's, there's a lot, dude, like up the 395 going up towards, you know, Mammoth uh-huh. and Yosemite and June Lake and Bristol Cone Forest, like all these, all these great spots. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So it's not a bad home base for the meantime. For sure. Yeah. No complaints, man. Cool, dude. Well, Hey man, I, uh, I had a really great time chatting. Can you let people know how to find you on Instagram? Cause it's, it's not your name. It's yeah, it's ever-changing horizon. Yeah, ever-changing horizon. Dude, well, Quinn, I appreciate you, man. <laughs> All right, thanks, Dan. That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and checking out that episode with Quinn. You can find Quinn at ever-changing horizon. And if you're feeling like buying his van and staying in the real deal Quinn Schrock van, uh, his uh, the link for it is on Instagram. So if you go to his bio, you can click... And you got to go to Temecula. That's the only thing. So you got to come to California, but then you can drive it wherever you want, which is cool. Um, All right, you guys, I appreciate you. You can find us at Darkroom. You can find me at Dane Diener. And we will see you guys next week.